that very graphic footage has got to stimulate these men. They ain't gonna put on a on the chain. They ain't gonna change. That bad boy is Bruce Lee beat up you with. I don't mind dragging a dead dead beat in the ring. I appreciate your concern, Deborah McMichael. You look just terrific tonight. Three, five, five, no comprende espanol, amigo. Straight OG brother, is that what you're saying? I wasn't sure what that word was. Garment. You said agamas. Garment. I just went back to the toilet to relieve myself. Will there be a little line on Space Mountain? I'm in the zone, buddy. Did the guy have hair? Don't you worry about my hair. Tony, look at the flat out. It's too late now. WCW. Not unless you're a good big twilliger. What? A good ventilator. A good ventilator. Oh, I think every contender should have at least a green card. Hello, Nitromaniacs, and welcome to the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam. I am your host. And this is the show you get when everyone else is in Japan. This is the 54th episode of Nitromania, meaning there is now one episode for every edge on the Holt graph. One episode for every point scored by the Utah Jazz on June 7th, 1998, the lowest single-team score in NBA playoff history. One episode for every milligram of caffeine in a 12-ounce can of Mountain Dew. And one episode for every card in a standard deck of playing cards, if you include the Jokers. Last week on the show, Sting declared himself a free agent, whatever that means. Six was named the sixth member, coincidentally enough, of the NWO. And we were told that the Macho Man would be the only person at Nitro tonight, since everyone else would be in Japan. I doubt that's actually true, but would it make for an interesting episode? Let's get to it. It is Monday, September 23rd, 1996, and we are live from Birmingham, Alabama. This is the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center, now known as the Birmingham Johnson Convention Complex. And as far as I can tell, this is the first of only two episodes of Nitro from this arena. We will not return here for another 47 episodes. So tonight in Birmingham, where they love the governor. Who, who, who? We open by following the Nitro logo up the aisle to the pyro. Tony is screaming his head off as per usual. Tony reminds us that many of the top WCW superstars are in Japan, so come on in, NWO. Come kick our fucking asses. Tony shows us a newspaper ad that the NWO took out, stating they'd be taking over Nitro tonight because everyone is gone. Larry calls the NWO parasites. Tony talks about the Macho Man, and we get footage from Fall Brawl of Macho getting offense in on the Giant. We then get footage from earlier today, same as last week, the NWO operatives handing out flyers at the door. Some random guy tries to cut a promo, but we can't hear him, so who cares? Your opening contest this evening is a tag team match, the Taskmaster and Conan, still one N, going up against Brad Armstrong and Juventud Guerrera, who have been in the ring this entire time. It still has not been explained why Conan is in the dungeon, nor has it been explained why the dungeon still fucking exists. Mike Tanay is on commentary for this match because Tony and Larry know nothing. David Penzer announces the dungeon as accompanied by Jimmy Hart. Maybe he just didn't see Big Bubba coming down to ringside with them because he's dressed all in black. Tony reminds us that the Mexican title is not on the line here tonight because the Mexican title is always contested in tag matches and also because it's not actually real. Kevin Sullivan refuses to tag in a couple times to the bewilderment of Tony. NWO picketers appear in the background and Sullivan finally tags in just to make the pin and win the match. Then Bubba attacks Conan. Jimmy Hart celebrates this beatdown while still holding the Mexican heavyweight championship. Jimmy calls this an initiation, which is weird because he's been in the group for like a month now. 
Conan gets up, yells, I am the Dungeon of Doom, repeatedly, spitting directly into the camera in the process. And that's it. Okay. We come back from break and Tony shows us the end of last week's Nitro, the NWO in the limo, and then we go to Tanae in the locker room with Macho Man. Where the fuck is Gene? Macho says he took himself off the Japan tour to watch over Nitro. This is a surprisingly sensical Macho Man promo. He promises to wipe out Hogan at Halloween Havoc. It really says something about WCW's business sense if they originally booked every single top guy in the company for a Japan show on a Monday. Even without the threat of the NWO looming, what the hell was the plan? Back to the arena for the entrance of Mean Mike Enos. He's an Enos. Facing off against Chris Jericho this evening. The NWO picketers continue to walk back and forth across from the hard can. I'm sure the fans sitting over there appreciate those giant fucking signs being carried directly in front of them. Jericho somehow manages to counter a power slam into a lateral press. It looks awkward as hell, but it gets him the victory. Not a terrible match, but nothing that would burn the house down. Back from break for Pat Tanaka, who is entering to Goldberg's music. I double-checked this. I went on Google and searched the episode and found a video on Daily Motion that was ripped from a VHS recording from September of 1996, and God Fuck damn, if Pat goddamn Tanaka isn't entering to what would later become one of the most iconic theme songs in all of professional wrestling. I cannot make this up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to WCW Monday Nitro here on TNT. Still to come in this telecast, we have the world tag team title, Harlem Heat Public Enemy, the macho man to go up one-on-one against Greg the Hammer Valentine. VK Wall Street will go one-on-one against Jim Powers, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Ron Studd. Ladies and gentlemen, the NWO has said they will be here tonight. They are making the macho man Randy Savage their target, but as we've heard from Savage before, he is up to the task here tonight. And here is Pat Tanaka. Well, that's what he says, but how many young members of the New World Order can Savage handle at one time? Pat Tanaka, who looks so uncomfortable on his way to the ring, is taking on Glacier. Something tells me that the theme song does not also come with a winning streak. We still have the lighting effects during the match. Glacier's hair is now dark, so that lasted all of a week. I'm initially surprised that this match is in hour one, thinking Bischoff would want to be the commentator on it, but then I realized that Bischoff is probably out back masturbating at the backside round kicks. Oh, and Glacier wins. It's not a long match. He does a kata inside lasers. This Saturday night, Brad Armstrong versus Dean Malenko, Public Enemy versus High Voltage, and the Macho Man, if he's still alive. We are shown Matt Gaffari in the crowd. He is an Olympic silver medalist. I was hoping that the silver was won by losing to Kurt Angle, but I looked it up and they're in different weight classes. Larry calls Gaffari a loser for only getting a silver. Right. Meanwhile, enter Public Enemy, accompanied by their manager, Table. Larry tells us of the loophole that Public Enemy is exploiting. Inside the ring, it's not legally a foreign object. This makes no goddamn sense. They are facing Harlem Heat tonight, and I cannot help but notice that every time Tony mentions Halloween Havoc, he mentions the sponsor. Every time. It's Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc, even when he's saying it multiple times in the same paragraph. This is apparently a tag title match as Nick Patrick tries to hold up the belts, but Harlem Heat attack before the bell. 
Tony sends us to break with the promise that the tape machines are rolling and that if the match ends during the break, they'll be sure to show us when we get back. Ah, the 90s. We come back and, surprisingly, the match is still going. Eventually, the NWO arrive in two limos. Larry has the best idea of the night, telling them to just lock the doors. Tony suggests that they'll just break in anyways. A really fucking weird set of spots leads to a near fall where I can't tell who is pinning who, but Rocco's leg is on the second rope the entire time, but Patrick still counts to two before calling for a rope break. Moments later, we get a small package spot. Patrick counts three and rings the bell, and both Rocco and Booker celebrate like they've won. Patrick then awards the titles to Public Enemy to the protestations of Harlem Heat. Absolutely bizarre finish. Rocco celebrates in the crowd as Tony sends us to break. He promises us a Macho Man match when we come back. Hello, Questionable Endeavor Network listener. If you're a current or former fan of wrestling, you should check out the Raw Attitude Podcast, hosted by me, retired professional wrestler Henry Hugepex, the suplex-throwing human duplex. On the show, I chronologically recap episodes of WWE Monday Night Raw from the Attitude Era, a time period where wrestling became more violent, more profane, and more sexual simply because, well, that's what we the fans demanded from the product in the late 1990s. Listen along with me as I revisit the crazy antics of The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, The Undertaker, Mick Foley, and many more of your childhood favorites. You can subscribe to the Raw Attitude Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or you can listen to each new episode on the Questionable Endeavor Network website, questandnetwork.com. That's the Raw Attitude Podcast, hosted by me, Henry Hugepex, the suplex-throwing human duplex. Oh baby, I like it raw, and I know that you will too. We come back with 10 seconds left on the dynamite, set off the needless pyro as Bischoff welcomes us to Nitro. Bischoff tells us there's a surprise here tonight, possibly the seventh member of the NWO. Enter Greg the Hammer Valentine, who does not get a nameplate. Sorry, Greg. He is Savage's opponent tonight. Hammer attacks Macho during Macho's entrance, but they both still get a moment to take their entrance gear off before Mark Curtis rings the bell. Eric Bischoff then completely buries the WCW locker room. Sting, Luger, and so many of the top WCW superstars in Japan as we speak. The Macho Man Randy Savage is here. And while he is not alone, he is certainly outgunned here tonight in terms of sheer numbers of top talent in the sport today. Paul and Nash, Hogan, and company are here. We saw him early on in the broadcast. Make no mistake about it. As much as we wish perhaps they weren't, they are, and there's nothing we can do about that. But the macho man Randy Savage right now can do everything he needs to do with Craig the Hammer Valentine because he has got to stay healthy going into Halloween Havoc. Yeah. Sting, Luger, Flair, they're in Japan. I mean, I know we've got at least 20 guys in the locker room plus Savage, but please, Savage is fucked if the NWO decides to attack tonight. Bischoff then sends best wishes to Super Callow, who dislocated his elbow during a dark match tonight. Macho hits Valentine with a chair right in front of Mark Curtis, but remember, it didn't happen in the ring, so it's not a foreign object. So Savage throws Valentine into the ring and then comes off the top of the chair shot, and Mark Curtis rings the bell. Honestly? The bell continues to toll as the NWO storm the ring. Savage takes an edge. We get a shot of Liz looking terrified until she just runs away. Then a jackknife powerbomb for Macho. Six's gear tonight legit looks just like his one, two, three kid singlet without the numbers on it. The Giant has a microphone with which to introduce Hulk Hogan. Giant delivers a nice sloppy blowjob of an introduction for Hollywood and Hogan comes out. 
Giant calls Hogan the financial backbone of the NWO, but I thought that was Ted DiBiase. Hall and Nash hold Macho up for Hogan so he can kick him in the gut and then a leg drop and then another. Kevin Nash then, I swear to God, whips Savage with a Slim Jim. Hogan then sprays fake hair on Savage's head because the baldness is blinding. Savage, who was barely bald to begin with, by the way, gets his head sprayed, and then Hogan says they're taking over. Hall and Nash storm commentary. Bischoff tries to leave, but is told to stay and do his job and do it well. Everyone else shows up, and Hall introduces the seventh member. And let's bring out our newest member, Ted DiBiase's head of security. Make welcome, if you will, a name very familiar to wrestling fans. Bring him out. Get him out. Teddy, where's Get Vincent? Get off me. Bring Vincent. Out, bring out Vince. Vince, come on out. This is, of course, meant to make people think that McMahon is coming out, though why they would call Vince McMahon DiBiase's head of security, I cannot say. After an awkward amount of time that ends with Kevin Nash about to switch to another topic while we wait for Vincent, who should come strolling through the entranceway but Virgil, who is now, of course, known as Vincent. For anyone who is not aware, he was given the name Virgil when he was the million-dollar man's lackey in the WWF because Dusty Rhodes' real name is Virgil Runnels, and Vince McMahon saw this as some sort of fuck you to Dusty. Now, of course, the tables returned. As Virgil, sorry, Vincent, meanders over to commentary, I can't help but notice that fucking Wildcat Willie, or whatever the fuck his name is, is there. Why is that stupid cat still there? The crowd chants Virgil for a couple of seconds. Nash makes a very awkward joke about Alabama. Eric begs to go to break. He tries to leave again and is shoved back down into his seat. The break is an ad for the NWO t-shirt. Buy the shirt! Hall welcomes us back to the first ever NWO Nitro. Hall tells us that if they wanted to, the NWO could take over whatever they wanted. The NBA, the NFL, including Kevin Green, hell, even NASCAR. This is the cue to bring out the NWO race car. The driver then revs the engine incessantly. Nash promises that Kyle Petty is the driver of the car, this is controversial for some reason, and that he'll be there next week. To the ring for your next match, Jim Powers versus M. Wall Street. The Giant is the ring announcer now, apparently, and he does not know how to ring announce. The following contest is against Jim Powers and M. Wall Street. This match is brought to you by the new World Order. Just awful. Jim is accompanied by Teddy Long, who Kevin Nash calls Peanut Head, and then calls Fat. I guess since they named Virgil Vincent that VK Wall Street gets to be M Wall Street again, I guess. Because they already have another fuck you Vince. I don't know. Nash, Hall, and Six decide to go to the ring to get a better look at things, so DiBiase gets on commentary. Hall and Nash then just beat up Jim Powers on the outside as Wall Street just fucking leaves. Randerson then leaves as well because, quote, This isn't WCW. So Nick Patrick shows up. So I guess the giant is fighting Powers now? Powers bumps off the throat grab for the chokeslam, then gets chokeslam for the pin. At the same time, we cut to Hogan just a second too early as we see him running down a hall and around a corner so he can then come around the corner and spray paint the wall while singing. He pounds on a door, the Nasty Boys come out, and Hogan appears to buy off the Nasty Boys, giving them his room key and sending them to his suite with the championship so that they can discuss business. 
Back from break for Jim Duggan versus someone the giant called Ron Stowe. I got nothing. Before we contact us, Jim Duggan coming up. What did you do with Savage? Hey, he's back there having a slim Jim Duggan. Don't worry about him. Eric clarifies that Hacksaw is supposed to face Ron Studd, and Hall says this. Hacksaw Jim Duggan scheduled to face Who, Ron Studd. Oh, he's a comer. He's a comer. Yeah, fellas, uh, he's a comer. Don't. I don't even want to know. I don't want to know. Hogan stops Studd in the aisle, and he and Nash beat him up. Giant introduces Six as the opponent. No one knows where he is until we cut to the ring and he's standing on the top rope. Genius. Duggan tries to murder Nick Patrick with the 2x4 until Six attacks from behind. Giant pulls Duggan out of the ring to break up a pin and gives him one of the worst, weakest-looking choke slams I've ever seen on the floor. Six then gets the pinfall victory. Back to commentary for more of Eric Bischoff being emasculated, then we go to break. This is painful. In the October issue of WCW Magazine, Savage talks about Hogan, the inside story of the NWO, the Horsemen, and the Dungeon, and something about Glacier. When we come back, we get NWO Sting's nameplate while we're looking at a shot of the back of the NWO race car. Uh, We then get the nameplate again when NWO Sting is actually in the ring. NWO Sting is facing some guy named Bo LaDuke, who Bischoff says DiBiase brought with them. Bo loses to the Scorpion Deathlock. Back to commentary, and Hogan talks about how he's going to destroy Macho at Halloween Havoc in Vegas. Sorry, Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc in Vegas. He continues to ramble as DiBiase sends us to break. Oh, Pedro loves Tony Japanese. What say you, my friend, Menchi? And I guess I'm here, too. If you're looking for wacky reviews of anime, check out Tuning Japanese podcast for three dudes in their 30s talk about anime on on the questionable endeavor network do they drink too not a little bit i do <laughs> we come back for high voltage in their extremely low singlets their opponents are the amazing french canadians they sing the canadian national anthem until the outsiders appear the outsiders enter the ring the canadians depart and high voltage gets the shit kicked out of them High Voltage get a little offense in before the commercial break, but after that, it's all outsiders all the time. DiBiase tells us that this is the first step to crowning the NWO Tag Team Champions and that they want all the belts. Hogan threatens Mike Tyson, interestingly enough. To the desk, six, two sweets, Hall and Nash. Vincent tries for a high five and gets completely ignored. We then go back to the beatdown on Savage from earlier just for shits and giggles. Hogan invites the entire NWO to come to the filming of his next movie, the new Three Ninjas movie. They all suck each other's dicks for a bit, and we go off the air. This was painful. Uh, I see a lot of folks online praising this episode for its storytelling with the takeover and all, but for me, this was just painful to watch after the Macho Man beatdown. We got a nice surprise with the tag titles changing hands, but after that, it was all downhill for me. I like the NWO in short spurts, appearing here and there. All NWO all the time. It's just bad. On Cage Match, this episode has a 6.31 out of 10. It brought in a 3.4 TV rating. If you watch anything this week, God, I don't know. Jericho versus Enos, maybe? 
Meanwhile, over on Raw, we are live from Hershey, Pennsylvania, the night after In Your House Mind Games. Mark Amaro defeats Farouk in the finals of the Intercontinental Title Tournament. We got a replay of Shawn Michaels winning the Intercontinental Title in July of last year. Kevin Kelly promises to expose Double J for not singing his song later on. Doc Hendricks is backstage as Mark Marrow continues to celebrate his title win. Didn't we just do this in the ring? Then the expose of Double J, as told to us by Vince McMahon. Owen and Bulldog defeat the Body Donnas by submission. We go back to Mind Games for pictures of the WWF title match between Shawn Michaels and Mankind. Taker cuts a promo from a graveyard. Doc Hendricks is outside Razor and Diesel's dressing room. He has refused an interview. Steve Austin is on commentary to spit on Bret Hart. The Stalker defeats Hunter Hearst Helmsley when Mr. Perfect steals Hunter's escort yet again. Jim Ross then interviews Razor Ramon and Diesel, or he starts his intro to the live crowd while we go to Mankind and Paul Bearer in a graveyard. JR starts again after that, but then we go to a commercial. JR starts a third time after the break, but first he tries to turn heel. It is just as painful as you may remember. JR brings out Razor, who is quickly attacked by Savio Vega. It's bad, you guys. This episode of Raw has a 4.4 on cage match with a TV rating of 2. Of note, a dark match during this taping session featured Matt Hardy going against Jason Arndt. So what, you say? Why is a Matt Hardy dark match during his job days important? Well, it's not Matt that I'm making note of. Jason Arndt would later go on to become a member of one of the greatest stables in professional wrestling history. You may remember him as... Joey Abs of the Mean Street Posse. All right, elsewhere in the world on September 23, 1996, it was the 354th anniversary of the first commencement exercises at Harvard University and the 107th anniversary of the founding of the Nintendo Company. It was the 79th birthday of Mexican luchador Santo, the 66th birthday of Ray Charles, and the 22nd birthday of Matt Hardy. That is it for 96 for this week. Let's come back to 2018 so I can say if you want to see me live and in person, you've only got one chance left this year, December 22nd at the John McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts for Liberty States Wrestling. If you enjoy what we do here on the Rundown feed, you can support us by visiting paypal.me slash rundownwrestling to make a one-time donation or become a patron at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a monthly donor and have access to exclusive patron-only series and episodes. I want to thank Jeff again for joining me last time for Fall Brawl, and I hope you'll join me again as I talk at you next time right here on Nitromania.